Welcome to the Utah Jazz Podcast that is currently in the process of uh, working through a Freedom of Information Act request, uh, FOIA, for those in the know, to obtain uh, Will Hardy's late game foul situation spreadsheet. Uh, how much time left do you foul? How much time do you play it out? Uh, we need to know. We're, we're trying to get it. We're going to get to the bottom of this, and uh, and we're going to share it with our with the twos and threes heads out there. But uh this is Twos and Threes, a Utah Jazz podcast, and my name is Mark, and I'm here with Doug. And guess Mark. what, Doug? It's just the two of us building castles in the sky on this one. Yep. Um, we've both gotten over our trip to Finn um, from this Thursday, and we're uh, plump and happy um, with our post-Thanksgiving no-shave November beards. And we're here and we're podcasting, Mark. Um, some Some might say we we would have liked to duck out and wait another week, but um, we're here, we're facing the music and we're, we're talking jazz. Yeah. It was medicinal tryptophan, right? I mean, this isn't off the streets. Uh, is that, is that what you get when you eat Turkey? <laughs> so yeah, it makes yeah. you sleepy. Yeah, we, okay. we can, um, if it wasn't from Norbest, then I don't know where it would be. Shout out <laughs> to our cousins. And that's right. Um, if your Turkey's Manti. not Norbest, get, get, get do better. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Norbest Turkeys. Why not? Uh, so yeah, uh, we ha- kicked off our season two weeks ago with a renewed zest to get back to the weekly saga. And then week leading up to Thanksgiving was a little tough, but here we are. And we're back at our regular scheduled time here Sunday morning, Sunday morning, November 27th, recording this fresh off the heels of last night's one point defeat. Um, but let's not get bogged down in in the minutia and not see the forest through the trees, Doug. This is twos and threes, and I want you to tell me what the heck happened last week. Well, Mark, since we podcast podcasted last, um, the Jets have played eight games in two weeks. Um, something we're going to be talking about in segment two. What hold is on. going on? But yes, hold, hold on to your horses. We'll be there. But so since our last podcast, we've had eight games, and unfortunately, in the past two weeks, we're a good six and eight on the, or well, six and two on the negative side, uh, six losses <laughs> and two wins. That sounds like a hashtag tank note way to look at the world. We're <laughs> six is. and two at losing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this isn't a tank note podcast. This it is, is a, not definitively this is, not. This is a best team in the league kind of podcast. So well, working, working our way <laughs> aspirationally. <laughs> yeah, We were at the, um, two weeks ago, we were there. Um, but anyway, so let, let me just give you the breakdown, Mark, because I'm sure you haven't watched all these games or done any extensive research. Uh, jog my memory, please. <laughs> but others might not have as well. Um, so starting off last Sunday, when after we podcasted, we were playing the Philadelphia 76ers, and Joel Embiid may have had the best game in the whole NBA season um, early. Wait, well, that Jazz. was a game? I thought that was just the Jazz all went there to help Joel Embiid practice free throws for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, he scored a ton of points and we lost. Um, it was one Oh five to 98. So still, it was a great, well, honestly, I mean, not like we're going to go into all these games, eight, eight games back, but um, the jazz played well, um, despite the fact that Joel Embiid may have had the best game of his career. Then we went on to play the Knicks on uh, the following Tuesday. We lost one eleven to one eighteen. 
Well, I'm going to pause you right there, Doug, because right before the game we recorded too, the day before the Jazz had lost to the Washington Wizards. And so uh, that Knicks loss, which the Knicks were in a bad way and had like some kind of players only meeting the night before and, and much was made about that throughout the broadcast. They desperately needed a win and they have all this extra motivation because they didn't do this trade with the Jazz, yada, yada. Uh, we'd lost three in a row at that point. Uh, our podcast that came out um, with Chad Nelson at Plant Best Chad, which everybody should read, I think, or should read. Everybody should listen to, write, write down the transcript and then read it um, every night before they go to bed and <laughs> highlight their favorite passages and share them with their family. Uh, it was a really good podcast, but it was, in, it was titled, How Are We This Good? Because at the time of recording, we were in first place. And guess what? Um, Kristen was like, after the Philly loss, she's like, eh, you need to change the name of the podcast, the title of that episode. <laughs> and then after the next, she's like, you didn't change the title of the episode, did you? I'm like, no, because we were still surprisingly good. But I think it's important because this was two weeks and it's been a two and six kind of week is how I'm going to just concede it. Um, we were maybe on a little low there. And then we roll into Phoenix and Portland back to back. How many of them have we had? We'll talk about that later. But against at the time, the two top seeds in the West, the two teams ahead of us, right? Yep. And I'm, I may have sent out a tweet of best team in the league kind of stuff after the Portland game. But yep. anyways, so to, to go with that, um, we had, this is the, also the only the second time more to talk about the schedule, but only the second time where the jazz had had two nights of rest in a row um, this season. And we played the Phoenix suns who were great um and we beat them 134 to 133 um larry marketing goes off for a career high um in points and the jazz look amazing again um then the next night we play against pdx um the portland trailblazers who are also a top seed in the west at the time and we beat them 118 to 113 um drastically though then we're all oh, hold on just to, to keep the narrative going at this point once again first place in the west so that's right we, we'd fallen down a little bit after a three-game skid two-game win streak on a back-to-back against the two teams ahead of us back to the top of the the table as uh, they say in in the beautiful game since the world cup's going on um and then yeah just get just hit me as fast and hard in the face <laughs> with these the last four because they they hurt a little bit cool well, a quick note, drastically in this Portland game, two of our favorite um, point guards in the NBA get injured, one of which being Damian Lillard and, more importantly, uh, Mike Conley. Yep. Um, so we, we finish the game without Mike. We get the W, and then it kind of looks a little bit scary after that. Um, after some hard-fought losses, uh, we lose to the Clippers, 121-114, to 114, the Pistons, and Boyan Bogdanovich on his return revenge game to SLC, 125 to 116. The Warriors, 129 to 118. And then last night we lose to the Suns in a close one, another one-pointer versus the Suns, 112 to 113. So there were four games there. Mike Conley missed all four of those games, one of which was home versus Detroit, um, and there are four losses this week. And now we sit in eighth place? 
in the West after yeah. all that. With a whopping two games in the loss column separating third to eight and a whopping three losses separating second and all of four losses separating first and 10th. <laughs> With Dallas knocking on the door uh, at five and five, or 500, nine and nine and 11th. So the West is a cluster and a four game losing streak is going to slide you back down. Um, let's, let's get some high level takeaways from this week. And then I think we roll into our segment too, which piggybacks off of what happened this week quite a bit. Um, but I want to, I want to, I hate the sandwich method, but I want to start with something positive here, Doug, those Wednesday, the, maybe this is kind of a story of this season, but the Friday, Saturday, back to back, um, at home versus Phoenix and then at Portland was exhilarating because it was, we did have our podcast. It was like, how are this good? Like, uh, let's talk about it. And there's all these reasons to be optimistic. The defense is slipping a little bit. We have a, a rough skid of three games there. Uh, two of them were away. Um, two of them were a back-to-back, the Washington and Philly on the way. It's a of theme coming here. Um, but then to, to have Phoenix come to town um, with the best record at the time, and Lowry Markinen scored 38 points, including um, late game, back and forth. This was a, a one-point win where he hits an 18-foot turnaround that was in the hybrid of players that he reminds us of, which we talked about in our last podcast, was a Dirk Nowitzki-esque kind of a shot, I'll say, um, and looked like a prayer and then you watch it in slow motion you're like now this dude is just seven feet tall and has this kind of range and he's 20 feet away from the basket turns around nails it to win and i just love being like this dude we talked about him last week but he's a star he's a star that was a big time performance against a good team he guarded devin booker in in switch pick and rolls it was a great game all the way around i think that and the portland game maybe thinking about him as a unit was like Malik Beasley is also like CJ McCollum or something. Um, but they're but Markin and I just thought, I mean, I tweeted this afterwards, Doug, that I was nobody was more sad, <laughs> upset, and in disagreement with the trades of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert than me. Um, in particular, the Donovan one at the time. I mean, I, I don't know about in particular, but I just am a big part of why I hated it it was not only my affinity for them, but my feeling that like trading a blue chipper is a last resort. And I just didn't think we traded for a blue chipper back. I thought we traded for the chance at a blue chipper in the future. And to me, it's like a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Um, But after that game, I was like, well, I guess I was, the thing I was wrong about was that I think we got a blue chipper back. And I think Laurie Markinen is a blue chipper. Well, and when when the trade went down, didn't we think that our chance at a blue chipper was from Colin Sexton too? Yeah, that was the Colin Sexton trade. It's like, well, is yeah. Colin Sexton 80, 85% of Donovan Mitchell, and then can he get to more type of thing? That's what everybody's talking about. And good for Colin Sexton. I mean, I, I like Colin Sexton. He's been really fun to watch. Uh, maybe there's been a little too much Colin Sexton in the past few games because of the Mike Conley injury. But um, I don't want to, you know, write the – ending of his story yet as a jazz man i think he's got a lot of potential but yeah no i mean i thought laurie marketing was a throw-in i yeah. thought he was a throw-in and he's uh the the uh, you know the two superstars we got in these trades perhaps were laurie Markin and an increased role jordan clarkson and uh yeah i mean that you know so that was a fun that was a fun back-to-back kind of games where 
I, you know, after the Portland game, yeah, you were best, best team in the league kind of tweets. We're throwing it around. Everybody is jumping in. Everybody agreed. And like toward the end of that Portland game, I legitimately was like, are we just the best team? Are we just the best team? I mean, we were, we were, um, it was great. I mean, Markinen followed up that 38 points with 23 the next night. JC had 28 against Portland and just icing, put the icing on the cake. And Beasley, yeah, 29, six for 14 from three. And his stuff inside the arc just looked great. So I don't know. How, how are you feeling after that sort of back-to-back sandwich? Man, after that back-to-back sandwich, I was, I was feeling great. I mean, I was feeling great about JC. I was feeling great about Lowry. But, um, and this brings me to my next point, I was not feeling great about the Mike Conley injury. Um, but we talked in the last podcast about the steadying or maybe too steadying hand of Mike Conley. Um, and I like after these, after these two games, I, I could tell you, Mark, I was so, I was stoked, man. Like I was so excited. Um, Warriors and Suns had been tied with the Jazz for the number one seed we come out back to back, we beat them both. Um, but when Mike got hurt, he hyperextended his knee. It's kind of like a day to day situation. I haven't, I guess I haven't seen any other report past that. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, <clears throat> one of my, one of my stats maybe is more of a downer stat, but it was like the, without Mike Conley, I was nervous because as, as good as like THT has been and in spots, um, Colin Sexton has been re- really nice. I was nervous about um, our lack of a steadying hand in Mike Conley. And I, I think this week, honestly, um, I, I think that was it. I think um, that was probably the biggest thing this week and or maybe our transition defense um, that that led to the four losses after what were two such amazing wins versus the Suns. Um, and and the trailblazers um i had david Locke tweeted out something yesterday and there's been all sorts of different combinations um in in guard play um since the mike conley injury um there's been sexton and clarkson tht and clarkson tht and nikhil alexander walker sexton nikhil clarkson nikhil um and and only one of those has like a positive plus minus, which I don't know how much we really dive into plus minus, but um, that I I think not having Mike Conley after those two big wins um, was has been tough for the Jazz, and I think maybe this Phoenix game where we end up just losing by one point was a good show of um, it coming back around and the guys kind of figuring it out more without Mike. Yeah, I mean, th- look, I think a common thread in each of these games, the Detroit game just felt like a little bit of a flat game. So we'll get, I, again, I am I think we transitioned to talking about our segment too, which we're going to kind of break down whether or not, or how we feel about the strength of the Jazz schedule so far. But Clippers game, third game in four nights, um, no Mike Conley at the end, got, get outscored by 12 or something in the in the fourth quarter uh, to lose to lose by seven they ran out of steam and they ran out of the steadying the ship i think the mike conley thing there was was really big um detroit hmm, first rest advantaged game of the season for the jazz but nonetheless it's five out of seven nights and then 
one night off and they're again, and they're flying in between these games. So they're at LA, they fly home. They're at Detroit. Detroit was coming on a back of back to back. So that's why it's rest advantaged. Um, but um, they play that one lose Boyan Bogdanovich is there. I mean, I do think we need to shout out that um, again, I, he's one of my all time favorite jazz is my tweet, which is an inside twos and threes uh, joke, not jazz man, but all time favorite jazz. Uh, the, the tribute video was great. I could have watched it over and over again. Um, his post-game interview was so sub- subdued and great. Mike Conley was like, I still barely know the guy, but I love the guy. Like, um, we had a handshake, yada, yada. It was, it was uh, uh, you know, fun to see Bogey. Um, and then a side note, Doug, uh, earlier in the week, I just was happening along what was going on in the NBA and in the Pistons who aren't, have not had a good season. You know, they were playing the Nuggets before they played us. And Boyan Bogdanovich just tore up the Nuggets and beat them in Denver again. And I just really feel like he just goes to Denver and like, I don't know, mile higher. He, he, he kills that team every time, which again, ah, he wasn't in that series three years ago, whatever. Um, but then they go to Golden State, who's been really struggling. Steph Curry's been phenomenal. Um, and, you know, he plays good. So there's all this context. Fast forward all the way to Phoenix on the second night of a back-to-back on the road after playing it in Golden State the two best teams in the West probably from last year um, to take it down to the wire and, and lose by a bucket. I, I don't know. There's not a lot of shame uh, in that uh, I guess is, is what I'm saying. The, the big, the big worrying thing is the jazz have been really bad defensively in the last while. Um, our cousin Jeff's talking about them being historically bad <laughs> in tweets all the time. Um, but lots of Steph open threes. I mean, they, they're struggling to defend, and I'm. I, I think maybe that. I don't know. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. How how concerned are you about the Utah Jazz defense? Um, is this a structural problem where they just they just can't do it? I think a, a thing that's maybe a bit concerning is it felt like early in the season we were getting a lot of possessions. We were winning the numbers game from a three point perspective. Um, and we're really struggling right now to get key defensive rebounds and maybe not dominating on the offensive end as much. And, uh, that's leading to a a rougher defensive performance all around. I don't know. What's your diagnosis there defensively? Yeah, no, that, that was the, other than Mike Conley, I was going to say transition defense and I guess pain defense in general. It seems like, I mean, people, I, it was really interesting to see last night in the Suns game when Walker Kessler was in the end. Um, you'd, I mean, DeAndre Ayton, um, Torrey Craig, um, different different times you'd see people get the ball in the paint and then kick it out because they were respecting um, his ability to guard in the paint. And when he's not on the court, we don't have that. And that was kind of where earlier in the season we were going with our, our three, seven footer lineup, you know, quote unquote, three, seven footer lineup um, with, with Lowry, uh, Kelly and Vando. Um, it just seemed like we were so big and we were getting so many rebounds that that was almost, I don't know, is contributing to um, our defensive efficiency as well. So now I don't know, is it scouting report or people, figuring out that the Jazz's quote-unquote seven-footer lineup. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, I am I am nervous, and I think that is a like a twos and threes put a pin in it 
um, see how we go forward um, playing defense. I, I, I've loved seeing the Walker Kessler minutes, the bleacher report put out an article this week, ranking the um, rookies this season and, and kind of putting them out for the, at this point in the season, rookie of the year race. Um, and Walker Kessler was ranked number five. I don't know if you saw or read that article, but, um, he was over, uh, I mean, the number two pick in the draft, Jabari Smith, um, and a lot of other notable rookies, um, just in his overall efficiency and play on the defensive end. But I don't know. I think, like you said, like we've seen a lot of interesting things, like we've seen Vanderbilt guarding, um, I mean, key usage people like Devin Booker. Um, we've seen Lowry doing the same. I think, I, I don't know, I get I get nervous when it's like we're banking on Kelly Olynyk to take a charge when it's more like he's the player in the NBA that has the most fouls right now. <laughs> um, we, we, we need to watch the defense. We're, we're, we're struggling there for sure. Transition defense, man, that, I think that's a product of like, us really trying to get um, offensive rebounds, which I think is awesome. Um, but man, I don't know. It just there needs to be something schematic or effort wise that that changes to get get the guys back on D. Yeah, and and I look. I think my my big caveat to the Jazz defense cratering of late is the is the schedule. And so let's let's talk about that in one second. Um, so. A, a pin in that, but I, my point there is just, it's been, it's been such a difficult schedule from not just opponent strength of schedule, which is sort of leveling off from what it was early in the season, but from a travel and a rest perspective and the jazz, it's like, sometimes the defense just aesthetically looks better to me than last year because it's more guys who can move around, but it's like last year it was structurally like built on the foundation of the, the best defender of his generation and that led to problems late in games that were to where sometimes now up until these last four games I just sort of trust this team to get stops in the clutch a little bit better, more than I did last year weirdly um, just because I feel like there's more guys who can individually make a defensive play when it matters like Lowry has switched on to guards and held up um, late in games and and all the players are like they've done fine that way and it's like not sacrificing the rim but they don't they don't have that structural rim protection throughout the game. And also they getting lost in transition has led to a lot of open threes. That's the type of thing that the Warriors will, will kill you with. And they did. Um, this is the other thing that I want to talk about in this week, just because I also think I just, I guess I just think it's funny. I mean, fan bases are fickle. We're all fickle. I mean, you've heard me make, you know, a lot of times pass between our last few episodes, but I've made some pretty big, shifts in my worldview about the the jazz in the season I guess but I feel like we're fresh off of like a week two weeks ago maybe all these tweets all the time about like Will Hardy best thing the jazz could do Will Hardy like imagine if he would have coached the team last year like this whole season's an indictment on Quinn and like it's so refreshing to see this that the other um and then some of the same people uh, I feel like after the the Phoenix game were like either Will Hardy like completely botched that or is intentionally tanking. Um, Will Har- it's just sad to see that Will Hardy's already become stagnant and predictable. I just seen these things last night. So I just want to put out there that I think, 
I, I mean, I think the Jazz nailed that hire. I do think, look, last night in a one-point game, they're down one. Phoenix has the ball with 26 seconds left, and they just played defense for 24 seconds, hoping they could get the ball back and score with two seconds left. That was a mistake. Foul. Foul early. Um, at worst, they make two free throws, and you have the ball down one possession still. But the dude's – I don't I don't think he's intentionally staying there. I think all evidence is that he's been trying to win, and I think also you can make, you can make mistakes sometimes um, as a coach – but I, it's, it's so funny to me. And this is just the way it goes. Like you're, if, if you're never, if they don't turn on you, you haven't been around long enough, but it's just kind of funny that they, the jazz could exceed expectations. Everybody could be like, Oh, injuries, injuries, lose the veteran um, point guard. Who's supposedly the coach on the floor. And then already people are coming after the guy or, or like sighing and disappointment or something um, after a tough close loss against the team with the best record in the conference. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. It, it, and in the, I mean, in the jazz fans, man, I mean, Twitter is like so back and forth. You, you just can't, don't even know which direction to look. But um, in the, and in the press conference last night, Will Hardy looked like visibly upset, uh, probably upset with himself, upset with the team. Um, but he talked about how the, the game plan was, and he said that he obviously didn't communicate it well enough. Um, but the game plan was to, to, to play, to get the ball out of Booker's hand and then to foul whoever had it, which they obviously didn't do. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, the, the, I, th- I think that's hilarious just to s- see the back and forth between, um, the Twitter vibes. I mean, I saw tweets that were like, did Quinn Snyder coach that last possession or different <laughs> yeah. something? Yeah. We'll like, Quinn's- and, um, it's just funny because I, I feel like I, I spent so much of last season trying to put context around a team that was struggling that I'm like, I was almost like my, my new season resolution was to not be that guy on this podcast, but then this team wins me over. And, and then I just, I, I think, I guess maybe it's, this is in my nature. So everybody has to take that with a grain of salt, but when people are just like throwing their hands in the air, aghast, I have to be like, give me a freaking break. Yeah. <laughs> We're still 12 and 10. Nobody thought the team was going to be this good. And like, then the schedule's brutal. So let's, let's talk about the schedule. Can yeah. we do that? Let's, this yeah. is our segment too. And so I, I want to, I guess I wanted to talk to you about this, Doug, because there's a lot was made about the jazz early season schedule. Tony Jones of the athletic jazz beat reporter said, this is the type of schedule that after 20 games, the jazz are going to be four and 16. Um, and, you know, so a lot of it's like, wow, even with this schedule, the Jazz are doing so great and like winning back to backs and stuff against good teams and yada, yada. But now that they've lost a few games, I feel like people are like off of that excuse or whatever. And or and I just want to know, like, I, I'm trying to think if it's legit. I'm So this is I thought I mentioned this earlier, but a, a thing that jumped out to me and this is how fast the world turns Doug at the end of last week um, after the jazz had won those games in versus Phoenix and at Portland, John Schumann of NBA.com puts out his weekly power rankings, very statistically driven, but interesting narratives and all the things. I mean, if people don't read that, it's a, it's a fun weekly read Um, has the jazz second and then notes a relatively difficult strength of schedule and says, including the fact that the game against the Pistons that week was going to be their first rest advantage game. So their first game where they're coming in 
with more days of rest than their opponent of the season. I mean, this is this is three games ago. Um, so November 23rd. So at this point, they'd played, what have they played now? 22 games or something? They played like eight, 19, 18, games, 19 And they they'd had neutral games, but they hadn't had a single game where they'd gone in with more rest than the other team. The Jazz so far in 22 games have played five back-to-backs. Am I right on that? I think I just did five or six. I don't know. Is it six? I might've missed one quick. There's so many, so many every other night games. So sets of three and four or whatever, that is crazy. They lead the league in back-to-back so far in the whole season. They're, they're one of like, like the Clippers, I guess have the most back-to-backs. Um, but the Jazz are very front loaded in theirs and the Jazz are tied with like three other or four other teams for a second most. So their schedule is heinous. Part of this is that they don't play home games on Sundays. So part of this is, is a, you know, an institutional making, but part of this is, I don't know. I feel like the team was like, yeah, these guys are tanking. Let's throw Danny a bone or something. But the first part of the season has been brutal in that, in that John Schumann article, he, he talked about how they'd played the most games so far too against the teams ranked above them and had the best record against that group. They were eight and three against the teams above them. They've just played, they've played everybody hard in the West. It feels like at home and on the road. And, and the big thing is, and I don't have the specific stat on this, but just like they're, they've played some insane stretch of games where they've not stayed in the same city for the same like two nights in a row so they keep even when they have a home game they come in the home game with like one night before the home game and then they're off to the road game again they're coming up on a stretch that is going to be six home games in a row and eight of nine home games so this this is going to sort of balance out going forward but i don't think it has yet i guess is my point and it's hard to quantify that i don't like you know again don't want to be making excuses for this team but i can't help but be like Man, um, it's incredible that they're 12 and 2. Oh, this is my other stat. I keep going, and I I'm, promise I'll let you uh, react after this. But I keep looking at this, Doug, which is look, the Jazz are 6 and 2 at home, 6 and 8 on the road after these last four games. So, bit of a bummer. I always remember Hot Rod Huntley saying you wanted to like uh, be like when two thirds of your games, or maybe this was Frank Layden. Uh, old jazz guy, one of them, I can't remember, two thirds of your game on the road and about half of them at home and about half of them on the road. Uh, so they're in eighth place in the West right now, like I said, in a, a really a cluster. But Phoenix, who's number one, who they just played, has is 11 and one at home, has played 12 home games. They're two and five on the road. So similar, like a worse record on the road than the jazz. They're in first place, 13 and six, because they played 12 home games. The jazz have played yeah. eight home games. The Jazz have played 14 road games. The Phoenix Suns have played seven. The Jazz have literally played twice the road games as the Phoenix Suns. And then if you just look on up the list, I mean, I just saw yesterday somebody tweeting whom whom I like, uh, and it was a fair point that in these kind of sophisticated strength of schedule rankings that are supposed to take in opponent record and rest and all this stuff, the Jazz record is or strength is leveling off a bit. But riddle me this, the the how have the Jazz played 14 away games when Phoenix in first has played seven Denver, the only one close in second has played 13. So the nuggets are good. And no doubt new Orleans has played 10 Memphis has played 10 Portland's played 11 Sacramento's played nine. The Clippers have played nine. And then the jazz have played 14. That's the order right after them. Minnesota's played nine and golden state's played 10 golden state is dying on the road right now. But so 
I mean, even that's leveled off a little bit. I did a check a couple of games ago and they were at 12 and it was like, nobody was even close. So it's been a really road heavy schedule for a team that's done really well at home. And is like a young team and getting going and the jazz obviously have the altitude home court advantage, et cetera. So I don't know what, I mean, what's your take on, on uh, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think, I mean, and just to even further expand that, I mean, the jazz have played 22 games total. Um, most of the league has played 19 or 18 games. Um, so in the month and a half of basketball, we've squeaked in a couple of three to four extra games than anybody else. Um, and yeah, we've had the most number of wins or for a large part of the season, even when the record hasn't been good. I mean, now yeah. I guess Phoenix has 13 and, and Boston and Milwaukee have more than that, but, uh, it's sort of crazy that we got like these 12 wins and there's all these teams ahead of us that have less wins just because we've played so many friggin' games. Yeah. And I mean, there's only been, um, there's only been one session where the jazz have been able to sleep in their, in their beds in Utah for two nights in a row and there not have a game. That was what I so, did. So, I mean, I didn't like the, um, they're all over the place. Um, but like you said, the next eight, eight of the next nine games are at home, but yeah, if, if there's anything to say about the schedule, I mean, it's been crazy and it's pretty easy to say, Oh, are the jazz playing tonight? And yeah, they, they probably are. They're, they probably, probably are. And they probably are in a different town. Hey, look, I'm going to do the, the, the biggest old white working guy trope right now, but I'm just going to be like, I've started traveling again for work a little bit lately um, for the first time in a couple of years and have uh, also just traveled for Thanksgiving, you know, man, I, I changed my time zone by two hours. I'm destroyed, Doug. <laughs> I'm granted I'm 37. So the only guy on the team who can really relate to me is Rudy Gay. And he's not even, um, you know, healthy right now. And Mike Conley is closest and he's not either not healthy either. And they're used to this more, but it's just, it is not, yeah, you know, you're not totally yourself when you're sleeping in a different bed. Um, well, I guess I should, I don't know, NBA players sleeping in a different city um, every night. I mean, that's, that's hard. Um, yeah. And uh, so it's, it's kind of crazy, but here's, this is what makes me nervous about this because I'm a big believer in momentum and narrative. Um, I, I, you know, I think things like strength of schedule and analytics are easy, but I, I, I believe that there are lots of times when you know there are lots of times when the front end of the schedule is hard it feels like the jazz always have a front end hard schedule and then it levels off in the back and lots of times it is like oh they start playing easier teams and then they're just winning until there's season like last season where the momentum of the hard parts of the schedule just boiled over and then all of a sudden you're losing games you shouldn't lose and this season i just let me know i'm curious how your thoughts on this it feels like it's imbued with a heavier amount of momentum dictates stuff because it's like you lose four games in a row and everybody's like hashtag tank note. Um, like it's whatever, like it's a draft. And I, I think the, the front office has shown itself to have more foresight and, and uh, you know, patience than that, I guess. But I do get a little nervous that like, okay, well, like I feel like this eight game stretch coming up or nine game stretch where they have eight at home is huge. And I feel like they need to come out of that for me, for me wanting them to really press on and go for it this season and be good this season. Um, they need to come out of this, like in the top three in the West, um, which is a cluster right now. I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Because I just feel like even though the schedule is going to get easier, 
you know, the mojo around the team. This team has been like really built on just a, a really positive mojo and like a, a confidence beyond what maybe it's like adding up in everybody's individual ability should lend itself to. And that's why I was so happy with those Phoenix Portland games. Cause it's like, Whoa, they lost three in a row. Are they coming back to earth? And it's like, no, boom, boom, best teams in the West. Let's beat them. And now it's like, okay, well, that's why last night Phoenix really encouraging. And frankly, I thought they played well. They played hard against golden state. Um, yeah. And um, I think golden state was really hungry for a win there. And Steph Curry is playing like better than he's ever played. So all that. Yeah. But you know, tough one to lose by one last night. Now I just want to see like, okay, we got Chicago. We got the Clippers at home. We've played them pretty well. We got the Pacers. We got like, can we, there's some good teams mixed in here, but a lot of home games. Um, can we respond? I don't know. It makes me kind of amped for the next few, but also nervous. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Hey, Mark, check your pulse, man. You're, fe- you're feeling it. This is you're in full, you're in full podcasting stride. Who would have thought during the summer that we'd be sitting here so amped up about the next eight games. Eight, nine it's games. weird. Here's the other thing too, is that I, I feel, I think last season took a lot of toll on, on my household. <laughs> Not like seriously, but I just mean like, are we watching a jazz game again? And are they just going to blow it at the end? I, I will say all my kids were like devastated when they traded the, away the guys and everything. But like, I think like Kristen's like, seriously, like, and, and now it's like, Oh wait, these are fun. Like, so everybody's like, yeah, they're like, this is fun. But it's like, Oh, oh wait, they're playing again tonight. Like, do we have to watch another one? And I'm like, ah, oh, come on. I'm like, you know, trying to pick my battles and like, uh, so like, let's space the schedule out a little bit more and let these guys get on a run. Um, just, you know, for family's sake. For real. No, but I I'm with you. I mean, I, I think, I think the next eight games are huge. I was actually, as we had talked about, we wanted to talk about the schedule. Um, and I was thinking about like the guys sleeping in their, in their own bed or whatever. Then I was like, I mean, how many of the guys do you think actually own a home in Salt Lake or, or a condo or something like that? Or, Or, or are they just in a really nice hotel that has all their things that doesn't deal with the jazz? I would, I, you know, I was thinking like, I, th- I think your point of like seeing the, the front office and um, their foresight better than ours, uh, but also wanting to gain good momentum so that it's not like, okay, tank note, well, let's trade some people away. Cause we're not going to be, con- we're not going to be competitive. Um, Cause I, I, I was thinking, I mean, how, how many of the guys do you think feel comfortable enough um, to buy a place here? Um, and, I, and I'm sure they have people to do that for them. But I, I mean, let's win the next nine games and let's everyone buy a condo on yeah, um, State Street or something. <laughs> but, I hope I hope Laurie Markinen's building a, a new build somewhere right now. Um, yeah. But no, I'm I 100%, dude. I'm with you this I mean, in the next, I have the exact, I have nine games in front of me right now. Um, and there are some good teams, but I think how I feel about the Jazz, there are definitely a lot of winnable games. Um, and I think it's just going to be, it's going to be fun um, to yeah. see how the next, I, really the next couple of weeks, um the first part of December is just a lot of home games. So um, it's going to be fun to see. I, I had a, a funny thought, Mark. Wait, um, I guess going back to um, my point, just barely of you being so amped up about the next nine games and the excitement versus the nervousness. 
Do you? I was flipping through the Jazz website yesterday, I think, um, and something popped up about like Johnny Juzang and the it like has has an injury um, for the Stars. Do you remember when we were trying to get excited about the potential of second round draft pick Johnny Juzang? <laughs> or wait, no, he was undrafted. He was un- but like yeah. the, he uh, it was like. Um, this steal of Johnny Juzang that um, we got from UCLA who could have been like a lottery pick or something like that. Funnily, Um, I hadn't thought about Johnny Juzang until I saw him. I was like scrolling through ESPN.com at the injury report for one of the games just to see who we were missing. And it was like Johnny Juzang. I was like, oh yeah, he's around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know what? We lose four games. We're still in a good place. Um, I think um this this the schedule um evening out as far as home games is going to be super advantageous for the jazz in this december push um and hopefully it's just a a big momentum swing going towards um the new year all-star break obviously i mean everything that comes with 2023 and the potential of of the jazz moving forward absolutely Let's swing into social media because the one other thing that I wanted to talk about, maybe hoping hoping we'll even out as part of my social media thing. Is that cool? Yeah. Um, Tony Jones at T Jones on the NBA beat writer who just like really derives a lot of pleasure in telling fan, jazz fans that they're being ridiculous about refereeing um, said to somebody who was um, a Pistons fan who was commenting on how the jazz were getting a bad whistle it's been bad for about 10 games now. Jazz fans usually get pissed at me because I don't put stuff on the officials, but they're right if they're talking about the last two to three weeks. So I think we'd be remiss. I mean, you mentioned Kelly Olenek. He, I don't know. He is so all over the place, but he definitely doesn't get a favorable one. But there was Never. a block charge against Taylor Horton Tucker that um, was called a charge that like, was reviewed Yeah, that cost them the game. Um, uh, which game was what that? What game was Clippers? that? Clippers game yeah yeah you're right yeah and man uh, that was tough that one and tough. I I'm, I've watched the replay I've watched their view I have no idea how that was called against him um I get like I've seen like Andy Larson try to measuredly talk about how it was or whatever I mean like the, the refereeing against the Jazz has been brutal uh and obviously we're we're homers but I just felt like that was at least worth sharing because um you know he is a little more unbiased about it than me. Um, and then can I give you one other one that's just um, completely uh, actually unrelated to the jazz, but yeah. I just want to um, at, at salt city swagger um, after last night, when literally the 19 things that had to break right from my university of Utah Utes did magic happens. There's no other explanation than at Utah football is clearly living right on and off the field check 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 because it was a check for utah beating colorado it was a check for oregon state beating oregon which by the way doug i got on an airplane last night with oregon up 34 to 20 to 17 i think and somehow oregon state came back and won that one i'm sorry for your ducks but uh good good for my youths uh washington beating Washington state. And then, uh, previously the day before UCLA beating Cal. Uh, so I don't know how this happened, but I love cam rising. I think he's been playing hurt and got a lot of unnecessary, uh, grief in the Oregon game last week, which was a really winnable game. And he oh, man, struggled. 
and it just makes me really happy. The one of the highlights of my sports watching in the last year was watching uh, the Utes beat USC this season in the game that was honoring Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe um, in one of the more with their moms in the stadium and one, one of the more emotional, fun, wonderful sporting events. So I'm very excited for Utah USC rematch. And uh, yeah, so that 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 also that tweet just made me happy because I saw another one where um, a, a guy at Tom Holm, who's a BYU fan, was like, Kyle Whittingham sold his soul. That's the only explanation for this or something. And I, I responded with a similar thing that I was like, actually, um, you know, I think it just shows that Kyle was living right on and off the field. That just <laughs> happened. So. Man, that that is awesome. I'm so stoked for the youths. Um, honestly, no, nothing about my graduate school career had any true association with the athletic program. So I, I only, and this, I was saying this to dad the other day or something like that, but I only really take a, or maybe I was talking with my in-laws. I don't know who I was talking with, but whoever it is, you can take credit for it. I, I kind of only take, um, true association with university of oregon uh, athletics if it's helping me in a conversation but the man thinking of that that um you game a week ago versus the university of oregon because that was that was saturday mark that was almost the perfect night of sports the jazz beat the trailblazers in such a fun game the aggies um beat san jose state who that wasn't really like a, a big deal but they got bowl eligible, um, which they ended up losing this weekend to Boise State. So it was really important. Um, and man, and then I and then I watched the end of the Utah game. That, that was tough. Um, but yeah, so, so I'm stoked for the Utes um, for getting in, and that's going to be huge. And man, what what other type of a? I mean, could it be more Pac-12 than to be USC on the on the door of the? college football playoffs and Utah coming in and beating him. I think uh, that's, nope. gonna, it's, <laughs> that, I mean, that's the thing that makes me feel the best about this. Is the Pac-12 can't, can't win and get into the college football playoff. It, it is written. It is known that won't happen. So we're, we've got, you know, the fates I, on our side there. I think it's, yeah, I think it's Utah for the W and I think it's going to be really fun. USC is um, playing really well, but yeah. Yeah, they are. And they've probably got a Heisman trophy winner as their quarterback too. Um, okay. So I have two tweets. Um, from from the week um so this is or this, this is on the 19th so this is after the um trailblazers game um but it's from jake mccleary at jake mccleary underscore 10 um donovan walked so jordan could run um we've already <laughs> talked about it but um the man Jordan's just been so fun this season in, in everything. Um, we went hard on that last week. Him at the end of the Portland game was about as fun as it gets. Oh um, man. I, like he just took it. Now he dribbled it away at one point, like that made me a little nervous at the end, but he just made, he walked into a three and then he went to the rim like twice. And then he made a nice pat. Like he just, yeah, he's great. He's there, so fun. There's sometimes when it's like dribbling between Jordan and, um, Colin Sexton, man, that I just like get a little anxious, but the two of them have so much juice that I just can't even like. Well, I mean, we talked about this last year with, with Sarah Todd when she came on, but like Jordan leads the league and looking like he's lost his dribble, but somehow maintaining it. Um, Oh, well, I mean, what was it? He had two of those yesterday that were just amazing. 
Um, and then the the other one is a Sarah. Well, at at NBA Sarah, Sarah Todd jumping in here. There you go. Shout out. Um, but just giving us the perfect play by play of Kelly or not. Well, Kelly Olenek is a part of it, but Walker Kessler taking off his um, shirt yesterday and the fans going crazy. Um, <laughs> Walker Kessler had had blood on his jersey, had to change. Um, when he took it off, many of the crowd whistled and clapped, and Kelly Olenek encouraged it. Um, it was, um, it was awesome. Um, but so Walker Kessler ripped off the Jersey, um, and fans were going crazy. And I thought that it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so that's my, that's my social media marks. Cool. Let's do it. Let's rip through, um, a quick, a quick end one. Okay. Um, so so for the N1, we were going to maybe do it last week, last podcast when we were even more completely high on jazz success, but we're going to do it this week too, because we've leveled off and maybe we'll be um, more appropriate. Um, anyways, but the, the guess what jazz fans listening to this podcast, um, there's an all-star game in Salt Lake this, this year. And um I wanted to see Mark. I wanted to get your pulse. This is this. I mean, this is our second podcast, so we can say this is our preseason analysis, essentially. Before, I mean, we're twenty-two games into the season, but um, there's an all-star game, and one of the things that we were bummed about, and one of the narratives were that uh, Ryan Smith wasn't going to trade Rudy or Donovan until after the all-star game, or that that was an inhibitor to them trading away their two all-star players. Um, so guess what? The trades happened. Quinn's not here. And I want to know, Mark, what, what our pulse is on jazz contribution into the all-star weekend. Um, so there's a couple of different events. Um, I'm just going to spell them out for you and then we'll go through and we can both say if we think anyone's going to be participating. Um, so there are one, two, three, four, five, six events. So there's the rising stars, which is the young, it's usually like rookie, sophomore basketball players um, playing. And I, I don't know if that's changed at all. It's now they do like worlds versus us, but it's the young players. Um, so jazz might have a couple guys there playing. There's a three point contest, dunk contest, skills contest, celebrity game. I don't, we don't really need to talk about the celebrity game. Um, and then the all-star game. Um, so maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll say the event and we can go back and forth. I can go, go first, but rising stars, um, there will be a Walker Kessler sighting in the rising stars game. Do you have any rebuttal to that or any other addendums? No, he's gotta be in, right? He's gotta be in. Yeah. Trying to think if it is the second year players too, who do we have that's in their second season? I don't know. Oh, what, what about Simone, dude? Simone could get in too. (laughs) Maybe getting a little more, getting a little more run now. That that, guy, man, that guy should be playing more. I was going to say that earlier in part of the week. Yeah, was, I think but... it's, it's a fair thing to just be like, this guy as should just take all Rudy game minutes now. Yeah. I think, I think it's just Walker Kessler. He's our all guy. right. My hot take is going to be Walker and Simone. So there you go. You can just take Walker. Yeah. It's a little too spicy for me, but. Okay. Three point contest. What do you think? I mean, Malik, Be- Malik Beasley and Kelly Olenek, like, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just I, I, I think, think I, I would, I put down Malik for sure. 
Yeah, Malik Beasley is is the most pure three point shooter that we've we've got on our team, and um, he's been phenomenal. So I I think he's he's got a shot. I mean, I want to preface this, Doug. I mean, I think this was a great segment. Uh, like he said, right now he's shooting forty three percent, or sorry, forty one percent, but at, at very high volume. But like this is you know this was like the whole narrative a while ago that the Jazz weren't going to trade Donovan because Ryan wanted to have somebody in the All Star weekend and uh yeah it's just crazy to me that all we have a legit chance in all these so yeah i'd say malik uh malik uh, kelly o's kind of come back to earth right he's he's actually shooting 47 percent from three still uh i mean he's not going to get invited to the three-point contest but that's pretty wild i i think it would be a it would be a crime if malik wasn't in dude he he's been so hot and he like you said huge volume okay dunk contest I'm going to say my hot take is that no one's in the dunk contest from the Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Who, who's your options? Uh, Lowry Markkinen? Most of the yeah, yeah, that's seen, <laughs> too tall. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, watching uh, Colin Sexton dunk the couple of times that it's happened has been exciting. But uh, I think you're right that most of our dunkers are tall guys who aren't aren't going to get invited. Yeah, Simone actually gets some nice, get some nice throwdowns. I was going to say... Maybe if Ochai Agbaji had some like NBA minutes, the I don't he's he's got a good vert. I don't even know if he's connected. Taylor Horton Tucker, Taylor Horton Tucker is a fun in-game dunker, but yeah, um, also all right. Like if he did it while like taking a bite out of like an in and out double double or something, that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be amazing. It'd have to be a crown burger though. That good point. Um all right, skills challenge. I think if Larry, if Larry's not in the All Star game, it would also be a crime if he, either him or Kelly. I think this is also like a Kelly thing because it kind of seems like in the skills challenge, it ends up being some talented seven footer like Embiid or Jokic um, winning it. Um, so I think we've got two pretty. I, I mean, I feel like Van, Kelly's Vando. arms would be flaying, flailing in every direction, but he'd do pretty well. Yeah. yeah, I always liked the skills challenge better when it was like the five best point guards and like, let's see. But it, you're right that there's advantage to the big dudes if they're skilled. Larry would be great. I think it'd be an interesting thing to just see him and Colin Sexton compete in it against each other. Um, by the way, the three point contest person who I would have liked to see also, I guess I should have said, but would be Mike Conley again, because the one time he was in, it was like he's actually like really built for it with his shot. Yeah. But I'd like to see him give another shot. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Laurie Markin in there would be fun. But celebrity, I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, like, let's get, um, let's get David Archuleta in there. Let's get, um, uh, who, who do we, who do we have these days? Let's get, let's get the Modern Family guy. Um, well, I mean, what about Post Malone? Let's get Post Malone. I mean, we can make this app. There's, there's something there. Let's. I mean, can we count um, Brandon Flowers? Like, even though he's Vegas, like I don't know. Like, there's, there's from the Killers uh i don't know let's start kylie's campaign right now yeah there you go um, let's start and- your campaign as background vocals by the way everybody should should listen to <laughs> kylan's latest uh single called confident no yeah confident. confident with background vocalist from this podcast doug Incredible. yeah i would have guessed i was blown away i would have guessed years ago when you were aladdin in your school play which we like to talk about when we get together as a family um yeah all right all right sorry i got us distracted and then yeah all-star game put put larry markinen and jordan clarkson in, in the darn thing 
I think, do you, I mean, do you remember years ago when Charles Barkley, it was, I mean, the year that Mike Donovan and Rudy all went in, it was, Charles Barkley's hot take was that Jordan Clarkson should have been an all-star. Yeah, um, it'd be really fun for him to make it. it like, I feel like Laurie Markkinen is the, is the most natural choice right now. But as we talked about with Chad last week, Jordan's been the soul of the team, the way he's changed his game around um, in this and uh, to be more of a facilitating point guard. I mean, I think for the jazz to get two, they'd have to be like top two in the West probably. Um, yeah. So we'll see if that could happen at that time, but uh, yeah, that'd be fun. I guess it also matters kind of like positionally who's doing well and whatnot, but what injuries are, yeah, what injuries are there and what, what, where there's more depth. Like, I almost wonder if like, you know, two all-stars the past few years at the, at the, on the, do they just do front court and back court now? I can't remember if they do yeah. centers, but like, you know, Minnesota been struggling, doing a little bit better lately. Rudy Cack, maybe kind of canceling each other out. Like it's probably Laurie Markinen has a good shot, I guess. Yeah. That's a good point. I was going to like, do you think we get, do you think we get Boyan's in the East, man? Do you think we get three ex Jazzers in? I don't know. Donovan will make it for sure. Yeah. Um, I think Minnesota would have to go on a big run for Rudy to make it right now. I feel like there's so much negative buzz, but I, I mean, they, they'd won four in a row before losing a, a close one the other night. Um, so I kind of feel like they are going to go on a run a little bit um, because I feel like they're kind of figuring it out, but I, yeah, boy, on the Pistons, I don't think the Pistons are going to get it, get a all-star. I, I well, just, I mean, time will tell Mark, are you going to come up? I think, I think you do. I, I, I don't know. Like let's, let's talk with our people and see what, what can be arranged. But um yeah, I'm stoked for it. it, it it's going to be fun, and it's going to be fun that there's going to be actual dudes on our team who could be participating, which just didn't seem like likely to be the case uh, in late summer. Yep. Yeah, we're fast-tracking to the All-Star game, so I think it... Give me Jordan Clarkson in everything, Doug. Give me Jordan Clarkson in the skills challenge. Give me Jordan Clarkson in the three-point contest. Give me Jordan Clarkson in the All Star Game itself. Heck, give me Jordan Clarkson in the dunk contest. I, I think he could pull some stuff. Um, that's if what we, if we really wanted Utah celebrities. Give me Jordan Clarkson in the celebrity game, man. Give me, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, that's my vote. It's just like, and then Jordan Clarkson just like taking people around all the time, like uh, completely. Did, well, actually, what about like ex NFL or NFL dudes like? Like Van Noy, I'm sure he's got a house in Utah. Manti Teo lives here. Um, uh, there we go. Get Manti Teo in the game. Manti needs some game redemption, man. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Uh, I think let's end on that. Um, get Manti Teo in the Celebrity All-Star game, please, and get Jordan Clarkson in every event. Um, I don't know, Doug. Like we said, uh, it's been a fun season. It's in a, it's a, we're, we're at a juncture, um, and I, I think these next eight games are going to be – uh, really interesting or eight or nine games. And I'm excited to see what we're talking about next week when we're going to back on our regular s- scheduled programming. Yeah. Um, it was fun, man. Good job. Okay. It's twos and threes. Boom. Boom. 